Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. The Bible reading is from John chapter 20 and verses 1 to 23. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped round Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Well, we continue our series entitled Encounters with Jesus. And today we're looking at Jesus' encounter with Mary Magdalene. Now, we don't know much about Mary except that she was from Magdala, which is somewhere in Galilee, and that she was healed by Jesus. 
Uh, she was tormented by these evil spirits, and Jesus healed her. Ever since that point, she became a follower of Jesus. We often assume that Jesus only had 12 male disciples, but he also had a lot of female disciples, female followers who, who followed him, and Mary was one of them. And she was most likely a, a woman of means because she not only followed Jesus, but she financially supported Jesus' ministry. And she must have been a very close friend, a very close disciple, follower of Jesus, because she was there at the foot of the cross. She was there when Jesus died on the cross. She would have seen them taking Jesus' body down from the cross and then seen them burying Jesus in the tomb. Can you imagine how she must have felt? Helpless. Hopeless. There's nothing she can do to change the situation. Jesus is dead. The situation must have felt irreversible. There would have been a real sense of irreversibility about the situation. You see, death is irreversible. When someone we know, a loved one, dies, we, we are suddenly struck with the irreversibility of death. We we wish it was, there was something we could do, but there's nothing we can do. We, we, we can pray for a miracle. We can protest. No, tell me it's not true. It can't be true, but we can't change the situation. We can wish that the, it, the whole event would be erased, that we could somehow rewind time and, and then play it again in which our loved one doesn't die. A thousand different scenarios can run through our minds. But eventually we have to accept the reality that death is irreversible. But then we read in John chapter 20 and verse 1, early on the first day of the week. Now that, that's significant that he specifically mentions that it's the first day of the week. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. It was her way of paying her final respects, of coming, uh, coming there to grieve, coming to terms with the reality that death is irreversible. But then we read, and she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Suddenly the unthinkable happens. What could this mean? And so she runs off uh, to go and tell all the disciples, especially uh, uh, Peter and John, Jesus' two closest friends, what she's seen. And then Peter and John run all the way back to the tomb. There, there is more running in this chapter than in the rest of the Gospel of John put together. Peter's the first one to go in, and then the others follow. 
And we read in verse 6 and 7, he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped round Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. What could this mean? Had someone taken the body and unwrapped the body? Why would you unwrap the body? Not only had they unwrapped the body, which is a complicated task in and of itself, but they'd also gone to the trouble to create the effect, to, to make it look as though the body had just disappeared. As, as though Jesus' body had just passed through the grave clothes, leaving the grave clothes merely to collapse where the body was lying, like a cocoon. When a butterfly emerges, what could this mean? Peter and John eventually go home, and Mary's left at the tomb by herself. And we read in verses 11 and 12, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, and the other at the foot. It's most likely only after the event that she realized these were angels. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Verse, she then says, They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. Because she knows that death is irreversible, her only conclusion is that someone must have taken the body. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Verse 15, he asked a woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. And when Jesus said her name, Mary, which was, which was an invitation and a greeting and a rebuke, a rebuke all kind of rolled into one. Like, come on, Mary, don't you know me? But soon as she, he said the name Mary, suddenly her eyes were opened to a new reality. Jesus had risen from the dead. She turned toward him and, said, toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. You see, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead changed everything. It changes everything. The irreversible was reversed. Death had been defeated. And now Jesus offers and opens the new awesome possibility of reversibility. Nothing, not even death, is final. Even death can be reversed. You see, what God did for Jesus in that graveyard in Jerusalem, He can and will do on a grand scale for the whole world. 
for you, for your family. And he offers this awesome hope of reversibility, of new life. But what do we mean? What exactly do we mean when we say Jesus has risen from the dead? Well, firstly, we're not talking about resuscitation. Many people have come back from the dead, have been resuscitated either by medical intervention or miraculously. But all of those people who have been resuscitated have died. That they may have lived for many years after being resuscitated, but eventually they would die. When Jesus came back from the dead, he never died again. So we're not talking about resuscitation. Secondly, we're not talking about a spiritual rising. Jesus did not just spiritually rise from the dead. He physically rose from the dead. The tomb was empty. The physical body in the tomb had risen from the dead. That's why Jesus says to Mary in verse 17, Do not hold on to me. He had a physical body that could be held on to. Later in John uh, chapter 20 and verse 20, we're told that he showed his disciples his hands and his side. They could see the scars in his hand and his side. They could touch the scars. He had a physical body. In other passages, we're told how Jesus ate and drank with his disciples. He had a physical body. But thirdly, we're not talking about a natural physical body. We're talking about a supernatural physical body. Okay, what, what do I mean by that? Well, when Mary sees Jesus, at first she doesn't recognize him. And then all of a sudden she does. That's because he's the same, yet different. It's the same body from the tube, but it's been transformed. The, the grave clothes just fall off. It's the same body, he has the scars to prove it, but it's been transformed. He can suddenly appear through locked doors. And so it's the same, he has the same body, yet it's been transformed into a new type of humanity. That's why it's not resuscitation. You see, resuscitation, if someone has, that, that's kind of someone's come back from the dead. But it's not actually correct to say Jesus has come back from the dead. It's more accurate to say that Jesus has gone through death and come out the other side. Jesus has gone beyond death and he's entered into a whole new type of humanity, a new creation, a, a, a new humanity that never dies but lives forever. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead, everything changed. What exactly has changed? Well, new creation had begun. You see, the Jews in the first century, they all believed in the resurrection, in the rising based on Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2. 
They believed that the righteous, those who put their faith in God, would rise from the dead. But they believed that would only happen at the end of time, at the end of this age. The fact that one person would rise by themselves and before the end of this age was simply beyond their horizon, but that's exactly what happened. What did this mean? It meant that God's new creation had already begun. Even though this present evil age hadn't come to an end, God's new creation in Jesus had already begun. That was the significance of mentioning that this happened on the first day of the week. This is the first day of God's new creation. Jesus rising from the dead isn't the end of the story. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of God's new creation. And we can all experience this new creation, this new life in Jesus right now. What has Jesus achieved for us by rising from the dead? Well, firstly, the risen Jesus has opened the possibility of having a new intimate relationship with God. In verse 17, Jesus says, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am sending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. The relationship status of the disciples have, has radically changed. Up until this point in the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to his followers as my disciples, my servants, even my friends. And he refers to God as my God and my Father. But now, because Jesus has risen from the dead, their relationship status has radically changed. They are now my brothers. And God is, is, is my God and your God, my Father and your Father. You see, they are now part of the family. They are now Jesus' brothers and sisters. They have now become the intimate children of God. And because Jesus has raised, been raised from the dead, we can become the children of God. We can become the intimate children of God right now simply by putting our faith in Jesus and then receiving the Holy Spirit and being born again as the children of God. Secondly, the risen Jesus opens up the possibility of a new humanity that lives forever. Because he, he rose from the dead, he conquered the grave, and now he opens the possibility for all of us to to experience a whole new type of humanity, a new creation, a new humanity that lives forever and never dies. That's why in verse 22 we read, And with that Jesus breathes on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Just as God in Genesis formed the first human and then breathed the breath of life into them and they became a living being, so now Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit and we become a new creation. A new creation that will never experience death or decay. A new humanity that lives forever and has no flaws or imperfections that never gets sick or ill. 
And in this new creation, everyone's going to have this perfect, flawless body. Well, that's everyone except for one person. Jesus is the only person who's going to have scars. Scars on his hands and his side and his feet. An eternal reminder of the cost of our salvation. And then thirdly, the risen Jesus opens up the possibility of a new purpose in life. In verse 21 to 23, we read, And again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so just as God the Father sent Jesus on earth, so now the risen Jesus sends us and empowers us by his Holy Spirit to go and share the good news that Jesus has risen from the dead so that people can respond in faith and have their sins forgiven so they can enter into a relationship with God and experience life, eternal life. And this is now our primary calling and purpose in life. Just as Mary rushed off to tell the disciples the good news that she had seen the risen Jesus, so we need to go and share the good news. What a privilege. What a wonderful purpose in life. Now, of course, when it says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. That doesn't mean we have the power to choose whether people's sins are going to be forgiven or not. Only God can forgive sins. What it means is we have the privilege to share the good news of Jesus with other people. And if they respond to that message in faith, then we can declare with absolute confidence that their sins are forgiven. What a privilege. What a wonderful purpose to have in life. And then fourthly, Jesus opens up the new possibility of having new joy amid fear. We read in verse 19 and 20, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And so the disciples are hiding behind locked doors because they are afraid. That they're afraid of the Jewish religious leaders who had killed Jesus. They're afraid they're going to be next. And so they hide in. But soon as they experience the risen Jesus, soon as they saw him, their fear turned to peace. And joy, a profound sense of joy. See, there are a lot of heartaches and pain in life. And we will cry like Mary cried. But because Jesus rose from the dead, in the midst of heartache, we can experience hope. And our despair can turn to hope. Our fear can turn to faith. And our sorrow can turn to joy. A profound sense of joy 
Because Jesus has risen from the dead. He has conquered the grave. And the irreversible was reversed. Getting back to those first disciples on that Easter evening. On one sense, nothing had changed. The Romans still ruled. The Jewish religious leaders still had a bounty on their head. Death and evil were still reigning outside. They would suffer and eventually all experience death. In one sense, nothing had changed. But in another sense, everything had changed. The irreversible had been reversed. And they experienced a profound sense of peace and joy. Even amidst all the heartache, even amidst a, a pandemic, even in the midst of a war, even amidst of fear, because Jesus rose from the dead, we can experience hope. Our fear can be removed. And we can have that profound sense of peace and joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus rising from the dead changes everything. The irreversible has been reversed. Death has been defeated. And we have a sure and a certain hope. This is not wishful thinking. Jesus rising from the dead proves that this is not wishful thinking. This is a sure and a certain hope. And we thank you that we can experience this, this hope even in the midst of uncertainty, this joy even in the midst of heartache, this peace in the midst of chaos because of Jesus. And so, Father, we want to receive that new life afresh today. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.